0: It's
1: time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. You heard it. It is time for the Hammered Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Gray, here with my co-host, Tom Abbey. Good evening, everybody. Happy Super Tuesday. It is Super Tuesday. And uh, there's my phone ringing, so... That's always a fun way to start the show, right? <laughs> <laughs> no editing here in uh, the Hammered Sports Podcast, so we're going to go ahead and leave that in for everybody to hear the ringtone that makes my fiance want to stab her eardrums out every time she hears it. <clears throat> so, uh, Tom, why don't you give us a quick rundown on
0: uh, what we're looking at tonight? Yeah, so we'll pick up the XFL review, Week in Review. We're going to have a few comments about NFL Combine. I don't think we're going to dive too deep into that. Then we have our AL and NL Central preview for baseball. We're going to talk about the UFC 248 main card, a couple championship fights in our future. And then we're going to wrap up with XFL Week 5 preview. Um, A little bit of different feel to this week's XFL slate than last week's. Um, So we'll get to that here soon.
1: Yeah, sounds good. So um, let's jump right in with with the XFL from last week. Uh, It was a fun weekend of XFL action. Uh, Some surprises along the way, particularly uh, Sunday just didn't seem to shake out as exciting as I had expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, In particular, the primetime game, which ended up being a whitewashing. So, I mean, that wasn't a whole lot of fun. Um, First game of the weekend, though, Tom, what do we have?
0: So the New York Guardians with a 17 to 14 win over the L.A. Wildcats after uh, the Guardians were pretty much written off for dead after some really poor performances. Um, I'm not going to call this one a good performance, but they're able to find a way to win. Again, outgained. 345 yards for the Wildcats, 250 for the Guardians. So almost another another outgain by 100 yards in this game.
1: Yeah, I was proud of the uh wager that I made on this game. Uh I felt like it was a situational wager, not necessarily talking about the talent of the teams, but rather the situation. With New York coming back home, L.A. having to travel across country uh, coming off a huge win, the Guardians getting stomped in St. Louis, it just felt like a perfect situation for the Guardians to at least hang in that football game, and they managed to win it somehow. So uh, despite being outgained, the big thing here uh, that I would take away from it is Perez did not turn the ball over the way that they had turned the ball over a couple of weeks weeks prior. Um, Josh Johnson had a nice game. Uh, 25 of 40 for 325, two touchdowns and one pick. Yeah. Once again, the Wildcats have absolutely no semblance of a running game at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, their rushing yards are are abysmal, uh, what they're doing on the ground. 40, 40 yards rushing for them, uh, not going to get it done, 3.1 per attempt. They just don't stay committed to it. They're not very good at it, and they get away from it really fast. When you look at the other side the Guardians, um, 29 attempts for 122 yards to give them the 4.2 average. Again, nothing amazing there, nope. but a solid commitment and a solid uh, – 29
1: attempts uh, versus 13 attempts when the game was in the balance the entire time. It's not like one team was right. chasing. So, to me, that tells me L.A. has no confidence in their running game. And uh, the Guardians, by default, had to kind of try and run the ball because their passing game has been you know basically futile the, the first few weeks here. So it's a huge win for the Guardians to get to 2-2 two and two and still be in the hunt here in the East.
0: Yeah, definitely put themselves right back in it. Um, you know, we'll, we'll preview their matchup coming up, but should be interesting to see how they progress. I mean, the one thing here is the Wildcats scored more touchdowns than the Guardians as well. The Guardians banged home a ton of field goals uh, to get to 17. They only had the one touchdown. So a lot of weird things in Guardian games so far. Uh, you have a 51-yard field goal, a 23-yard field goal, uh, and a 47-yard field goal. And sandwiched in there, you get a three-yard touchdown pass and a c- successful two-point attempt on the rush. That gets the Guardians to their 17. Um, so definitely interesting how the Guardians are winning. The games they're winning, they they don't even look like the better team statistically, no, no. but no. they're finding those ways to win.
1: I still feel okay with them at eight in my
0: power rankings. I don't think that I'm going to make a move or an adjustment off of what I saw here. Yeah, I want to see what Perez does the, his next – I mean, assuming he gets the next start, I would I would imagine, yeah. to see what he – does he look better? I mean, he, he kind of was sprung in there. He was a third stringer going to week one, and now all of a sudden he's starting. So does he come in? And if he does come in, does he look better? Did he improve? Because he protected the ball well, but he didn't do a ton, not a lot of big plays. So hopefully he'll be able to, um, you know, get a little better, a little more comfortable. Maybe they'll call some more plays designed for him. And, yeah. you know, maybe that uptick in offense will help them improve overall. Absolutely.
1: So, you know, I would call that probably the just the gameplay seemed boring. It wasn't an exciting game yeah. to watch, really. It ended up being tight. But uh, let's move on to the afternoon game on Saturday uh, where my St. Louis Battlehawks. Uh, moved to three and one on the season with a 23-16 win over the Dragons. Um, I also was happy with the outcome in this one because I took uh, the over 38 and a half, and we got to 39 points in this one.
0: Yeah, this was a, a much better game. Uh, the Battlehawks, unlike the Guardians, the Battlehawks won the game and looked like the better team. Um, you know, eight for 17 on third down, 392 yards of offense, 23 first downs. Another week of them having a very good balance, 133 yards rushing, 259 yards passing, again, no turnovers. They might have the best quarterback in the league. Uh, There's a little bit of debate there with uh, Houston, but in general, I mean, you're talking 1 and 1A when you're looking at the quarterback play with these two.
1: Yeah, it was uh, was a really nice performance out of the St. Louis quarterback to Amu this week. Um, He ran the ball 16 times. Uh, So it looked like they they kind of adjusted their game plan and decided they were going to get him involved carrying the ball this week. Uh, 16 for 63. Uh, No touchdowns, but, you know, averaging four yards a clip. And uh, the rest of the running game struggled a bit. Uh, Keith Ford had a couple of nice runs, Tom. I don't know if you had a chance to see him, but um, he had two really good bursts in the game. He only carried the ball three times, uh, making up a little bit for Matt Jones. 15 carries for 20 yards the guy that I, it feels like they were just focused on stopping that run game in Seattle. So Tom who ended up keeping the ball on the read option a ton because they were just cramming yeah. that box and attacking the give.
0: And they threw it more than I think they um, in their game script, they probably want to 27 attempts. I, I would imagine they probably want to be closer to 20, Yeah, but you know, game dictates that they had to throw it a little more. They were probably in more third and fives instead of third and twos. Um, but again, they did everything right they spread the ball out i mean again when you're looking at the wide receivers we got one receiver with 71 yards one with 51 yards one with 46 one with 41 one with 27 um you have really spread it around so much distribution so many guys catching multiple passes for you nine Um, different
1: receivers caught 20 passes in the in the course of the game so um you know, it, again, my concern for them is are they going to have an explosive player when they need one to get up over the top? Uh, I haven't seen that yet out of this group, but.
0: Um, but they haven't needed it. They've been so good at just making first downs, getting the chains moved. Um, you know. Once and-
1: again, it looks like they put the game in their pocket towards the end and started just hammering the ball and, and eating clock, and it, it almost cost them. I mean, they. they you know, got a situation where yeah. they end up only winning by seven, and in this league, seven is not a safe lead in any sure by any stretch of the imagination.
0: Yeah, up 17-3 at halftime, um, and then they you know they kick kick a couple field goals in the second half to to really keep the lead. But yeah, definitely still not that aggressive team. We talked about it when I I picked Seattle to cover, which they did. My thought was St. Louis is the better team, but they're not going to just blow anyone away. Yeah, it's just not how they're they're. Mo seems to be, yeah,
1: and you know that number just seemed so low to me that it felt like they would be able to get enough, and, yeah, and they just barely <laughs> they did. Just did. So, yeah. um, the, the passing game for Seattle was was really ugly. Uh, let's see, they were a combined ten for twenty-two for one twenty-three, one touchdown, one pick. Yeah, uh, looks like they they gave B.J. Daniels a, a shot. Um, he went five for ten for a hundred uh one touchdown one pick so i mean is that the direction they're going to go now because brandon silvers looked absolutely awful at one point i think he was one for nine or something like that or no he must have been like two for nine or one for seven and then he completed a few passes he got to four for 10 for 27 yards but that's not going to get it done i mean come on sure yeah um i'm I'm moving on yeah on to sunday The, the the big game of the week Yeah, and this game was uh, – Houston was outplayed in this game. The turnover factor for Dallas cost them this football game. Easily. It was – I mean, it was really, really unbelievable. I don't know. Have you heard any updates on Landry Jones' injury? I haven't seen
0: anything. Um, So, I mean, that's one thing that's been challenging for us here on Tuesday nights. The XFL does not update like the NFL. Um, They kind of give you a little bit of information here and there from the teams, but there's no, like, official injured list right now. There's no, you know, you don't have seven different NFL pundits reporting on all the injury news. So it is a little tougher, and on Tuesday nights especially, like, they're not even talking to the media until I think it's Thursday now. So, you know, stay tuned. We'll see what happens with that. But, yeah, I mean, the Roughnecks, they did outgain the Renegades, but only by 15 yards total um Philip Walk, PJ Walker held to uh, 239 yards on 41
1: attempts. Uh the rushing game was not the same that it was the week prior. Um they did attempt a little bit more. They had sure. uh, what 18 carries in this game, you know, and, and like around 60 70 yards roughly in the game. Um so they attempted to run the ball a little bit more, but it, And it looks like each of their three backs broke off one run, like 13, 12, 15. And aside from that, they were really bottled up.
0: Yeah. I mean, this was a game script kind of game for me. Uh, In the beginning, Dallas was just turning it over every time they had the ball. So Houston was in plus territory over and over again. Uh, It was 15, nothing. And with uh, like two minutes into the second, um, second quarter, this game seemed like it was going to get out of hand. Uh, Dallas, um, did crawl back and made it uh, 15-11 at halftime. Um, so you you really felt like, okay, they're gaining ground. But, again, five turnovers from Dallas, just some real bad things. I mean, the last one picked up and returned for a touchdown. when <laughs> they, they got within one point. Well, that was
1: the second-to-last one, right? Yeah, because no, at no, the end was... of the game, that was a turnover, right? That, that right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what? where Phillip Nelson throws the ball out in the flat. It's bopped up it's, in there. yeah. It, they tried to run, like, a little quick screen out there, yeah. and the guy doesn't hold on to it. They're at the two-yard line looking to tie or take the lead. And uh, th- it was, like, a minute or less left in the game at that point, I believe. So, yeah. you know, that was, uh, that was a really unfortunate beat um, for me as a as somebody who backed the Renegades there sure. to get the ball inside the five, first and goal. You're down a, one point. You're, you're down one score one when, score. They're, when yeah, they're down 27-20, yeah. yeah. Um, So they have an opportunity to to win that football game or at least extend that football game, despite the fact that they turned it over five times. Yeah.
0: you got to think Dallas at the end of the third quarter scores. Dunbar gets in the end zone. They complete the three-point attempt. They are down one point going to the fourth quarter. I'm on the edge of my seat going, what a great fourth quarter in for. Nothing happens. Yeah. Uh, Landry Jones fumbles. It's picked up return for a touchdown that's how Houston scores in the fourth quarter and then they play keep away and Dallas gets it again like like Kevin was saying they get inside the five they try a little bubble screen which is a weird spot for a bubble screen you don't have your your corners not are not space. backed up yeah. you know your corners are not i mean what are they giving like a 2 yard cushion there yeah. um ends up being uh, bumped in the air the linebacker makes an amazing diving stab yeah. catches the ball and that's it but unbelievable how Oh, Dallas was able to fight back. I mean, when you look at the score and you look at the stats, I mean, Dallas had this game within their grasp, obviously. I mean, you score and you decide you to go for one to tie it, two for win, um, but...
1: Yeah, so, I mean, coming out of that game, you still got to feel pretty good about how we had those two teams rated. I think Dallas is... It, I still think they're the third best team in the league. Yeah. I, I think that they are, and they've they've got... A couple of tough losses now. Yeah, the uh, first one the
0: without without Landry and then this one, Landry leaves and just some tough luck with some balls and some bad decisions early on, yeah. but some tough luck in the end of the game.
1: Yeah. And the one game, uh the final game of the week in prime time <laughs> where I was clearly on the wrong side of and we and both was, were. Yeah, this was one where we were dead wrong. We thought that uh maybe DC's performance in LA was an aberration. Um, but it turns out maybe weeks 1 and 2 were the aberration not week 3 because they they, they did nothing offensively no. absolutely nothing what they gained in the game like 120 yards 100
0: no 107 net yards for DC yeah. in this game that's 1.9 per play um but listen to this crazy stat the play offensive plays ran between the two teams the defenders had 39 plays offensively the vipers had 80 yeah. 41 more plays in that game just yeah. completely dominated
1: yeah I mean the Vipers ran the ball 49 times in this game yeah you know for for 250 plus yards 260 some yards yeah um that's not something we saw out of them early this year but if they're getting it right uh, first of all Mark Tressman their their head coach was a, a genius in the C- CFL I mean he was looked at as just this brilliant offensive yeah. mind very creative he went to chicago and flamed out there uh running the offense uh, but now it looks like he may be able to, he may be catching up and it seems like these teams that can run the ball they, they could create problems for other teams in this league so yeah um you know and it, particularly the dual threat situation in st louis i really like that uh, taylor cornelius uh, carried the ball four times for 36 yards that's a that's a big thing you know to be able to to bust off those runs when you decide to keep it and scramble um he was a decent player at at oklahoma state but nothing that stood out um and when you run the ball for over 100 yards out of the two guys that are carrying the load for you that's uh it's it's a recipe to win in this league no matter who you're playing against and that explains a lot about how they were able to play Houston tough the week prior. So it looks like they just got off to a slow start and maybe a, a team to deal with later on here in the season.
0: Yeah, I think uh, winning in football usually follows running. Um, I think if you look at it, rushing usually is a good indicator that you're winning the physical battles. You're able to create opportunities for easy passes. And uh, I don't think that this league's going to be any different than any other we watch. Um, And so far, that trend has been pretty, pretty obvious that teams that can consistently run the ball, put themselves in third down and manageable, especially when you think about the quarterback play, it's not stellar. Right. So getting your team into third down and manageable really becomes an important factor in running your offense. Cardale Jones, nine of 22 for 72 yards.
1: Yeah, just yuck. He's not showing anything right now. That's two terrible performances in a row. Is it time to give the UB alum, Mr. Tyree Jackson, the big yeah. man, an opportunity to show off that cannon and take off running? And, you know, maybe maybe he's worth a look here instead of giving Cardale Jones the start next week.
0: Yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, and we'll get to that game here coming up towards the end. Uh, next, we're going to talk about the NFL Combine. Um, Again, we're not going to get into specific everyone who won their their drills, but I just wanted to talk about um, who stood out for you, who were some winners, um, who were some guys that you thought, okay, yeah, that's what I expected. Um, did anyone really just jump out at you?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, there are a few things. It looked to me like uh, Jonathan Taylor cemented his position as, you know, the one or two in the running back category. Um the only thing is that there's no drill at the combine to see how well you hold on to a ball during contact yeah, or, uh, or
0: how many miles you got left.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he, he ran one of the fastest time, tied for the fastest time out of the running yeah. backs, which, uh, and he's a big dude, durable guy that, you know, that's one guy that, that stood out to me a little bit. Um, I was listening to some guys talk about, uh, Jabari Zaniga from Florida and his straight line speed, Um, he doesn't have a lot of bend to his game so you know there there were some really interesting prospects and then you you have to talk about the offensive linemen and the shows that they put on Uh, Tristan Wirfs was unbelievable yeah Uh, he's he's just a physical specimen and um, you know that doesn't even account for what Makai Becton did at three hundred and seventy pounds, uh running what, sub five one somewhere in the five one roughly in and the uh, forty. He,
0: um also seventeen percent body fat for Becton Yeah at three hundred and seventy pounds. Uh, three hundred and sixty four pounds he weighed in and seventeen percent body fat, a 5.1 40 yard dash. He's a huge athletic human being. Yeah.
1: There are um a lot of people are interested in the quarterback situation watching some of the drills. Um Herbert looked good. He threw the ball really well. The questions around Herbert have always been around is he a leader of men? Is he somebody that's going to people are going to get behind?
0: Yeah, he's uh, been been labeled as like an introvert, really kind of keeps to himself. Yeah.
1: Um Jordan Love showed a lot again. He's uh, got a ton of physical ability, um uh, but he didn't perform very well in Utah state this year, but was that a a product of his surrounding cast that he had there uh, with the Aggies and a quarterback or a head coach change uh, leading to his senior season. So there were a lot of factors going against him there.
0: Yeah. We're talking about about him before, and I really am interested to see where he goes. I think that's going to be a big thing. Um, I mean, I think he has a lot of physical tools if put in the right spot, obviously he could be very successful. Um, My boy, Chase Claypool, was oh, was, that was crushing monster, it, yeah. 64238 a 44240 four, um a 40 and a half inch vertical and a 19 rep bench press. Looking looking pretty large there, fella.
1: Yeah, I think he moved himself up around in the draft. He might have been like a third fourth rounder. Yeah, he might be second, now he no, might be yeah. a second rounder, somebody falls in love with him, might take him earlier. Um, the funny thing is like when you watched him on the field, it, he didn't look like a guy that was running away from people, but his numbers show differently now in the combine so i'm not sure if he 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 looks like a good route runner a good physical body to go up and get the ball and um, it seems like he may have the speed to do it too his numbers are being compared to calvin johnson uh, because they're the only two that were what sub four five forty plus vertical at six four plus or whatever so he's got
0: he's got some elite company when it comes to that kind of stuff uh so i got this this meme for about him he's he he's bigger than Cameron Wake was at the at the combine. Yeah. He's faster than Odell Beckham was at the combine. More reps at the bench than Jared Allen. Jumped further than Devin Hester and higher than Julio Jones. Wow. It's, a, it's yeah. an amazing athlete. Um, you know, he he had a lot of contested catches at Notre Dame. they were big fans of Hey, we're twenty yards out. Let's just throw it up and see if we can get the cheapie before yeah. we try anything special.
1: How'd you like to have him on the other side in Buffalo, huh?
0: Yeah, I would be a big fan of that, especially if we can get him in the second round and get one yeah. of these big old lugs to move in at right tackle. But we'll we'll, we'll get to that day. Yeah, that we'll, we'll be there eventually. Yeah. <laughs> um, so,
1: I mean, those were my takeaways from the from the combine. Cam Akers, would I would be. Yeah, he moved up a bunch. Oh yeah.
0: man! So, Florida State's been struggling. Um, as a running back of a struggling team, sometimes you get limited attempts. So I think maybe that's ate into his performance. But a four-four-seven in the 40, really good for a guy who's 217, and he did 20 in the bench press. I mean, you're just really somebody who cemented like, hey, I'm here, I'm fast enough, I'm strong enough. Maybe my production was a little on, on these bums I was dragging instead of.
1: Yeah. I mean, he could have leapfrogged somebody like J.K. Dobbins um you know i think that the the top of that running back draft is like four deep um with taylor deandre swift, swift jk dobbins great. and uh cam Akers at this yeah. point so and
0: it's really a mix and match of what you're looking for you know i know that uh some people have questions about jonathan taylor catching the ball in the backfield if that's really important to you well swift's your guy because yeah. he's definitely proven he could do that yeah. and then um Akers feels like somebody who,
1: I don't know if he's going to manage an entire workload with a team. Um, Taylor is the guy that you're going to hand the ball off to. Um, oh, you know the other guy that climbed the climbed the charts was AJ Dillon, and his numbers were yes. insane. Um, you know he's he's huge. He's also he's, on my
0: my Buffalo Bills wish list. I, <laughs> I like
1: the backfield of him in Singletary. He's on uh, he's receiving a lot of comparison to Derrick Henry at this point, yeah. but his his combine numbers are far better. Yeah. Um he's a big fella. He he is a big dude. I've always thought, you know, those big tall running backs, how long can they take that punishment? But Derrick Henry seems to be doing well even though he's he's an upright big runner, you know, yeah. and uh Brandon Jacobs is is who I think of years back, that <laughs> yeah. big strong dude Huge. that was yeah, uh running through the hole, but um he did not have the kind of athleticism that AJ Dillon has. So, no.
0: Yeah, and it'll be fun to get into um as we start seeing our free agency as we fill in some roles where some of these guys are going to end up um yeah any anybody else you want to hit on before we move to to baseball
1: yeah you know I, i don't think that there was anything that really the medicals apparently went really well for tua um you know that's something that's worth talking about briefly is the fact that you know this is a guy that he's loved by some and uh People feel like he, he could be, like, a complete superstar, but the medical question was what everybody was worried about. Sure. So, you know, it, now that he's passed those tests, if he's able to throw at a pro day and, and put on a little bit of a, a clinic there, um, he, could, he could be right there at the top of the draft. The one thing that I'm hearing, you know, that I wanted to mention about this draft coming up, and I know it's early to start doing this kind of speculation, but I'm hearing a lot that Ron Rivera is not married to Dwayne Haskins and is willing, yeah. and is more than willing to draft a quarterback in that spot. So if he likes Tua, it may be one, two in this draft now with uh Burrow and Tua. And that leaves a lot of great football players on the board at three, four and five.
0: Yeah. I think, um, it's also a smokescreen season, so how much is that? They're just trying to maybe improve their trade-down ability. That's the beauty of this kind of stuff. Yeah. Where is it coming from? Who's fil- who's floating it out there? But, I mean, if I was him, I wouldn't be married to Dwayne Haskins either. Yeah. yeah like <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I feel like there are three guys, three, four, maybe even – at least three guys that I would take over Dwayne Haskins at this point. Uh, with, and
0: the quarterbacks?
1: Yeah, with Herbert. Uh, Tua and Burrow, I think all three of those guys, I would take over Dwayne Haskins.
0: The beauty of this is also the free, the quarterback free agent carousel will hopefully work out some of these kinks. You know, if the Redskins land somebody, um, you know, a veteran, maybe someone like Leftwich, they can bring them in there and you know, push Haskins, and you, you got your options. Leftwich? Yeah, you know what I said. Oh, Bridgewater is what I'm thinking. Mother of pearl. I'm terrible with names. <laughs>
1: i was i was here i'm i'm looking forward here to some uh mlb <laughs> stuff and i heard byron left name roll up in my mind and i'm like what is what's he talking about yeah left the oc somewhere again or oh no, yeah what's if, going on?
0: if you get someone like bridgewater in um you know you can have that competition and may the best man win especially if you're ron yeah. rivera who's coming in trying to win games you know he's may not want to wet nurse a, a quarterback who needs some help
1: absolutely um Tom, let's make a move to some baseball here and talk Absolutely. about the AL Central.
0: Yes. Let's talk about the Minnesota Twins. Last year, uh, last year they won the division. Uh, this year, it looks like a 92.5. Hold on here. 92.5 over-under for them this season. Okay. So, uh,
1: this is a team that's made a bunch of additions. Uh, they obviously they're, they're a pretty good team, right? Um, when you've got guys like, uh, Miguel Sano, uh, they've got, you know, Jorge Polanco playing short now, Josh Donaldson is their third baseman yeah. much to your chagrin. <laughs> um, Nelson Cruz at the DH, you know, that guy can mash one. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they look like they're kind of in a, in a win now type Situation. I like their speed in the outfield with Max Kepler, Byron Bucks, and Eddie Rosario. Um, plenty of speed, true outfielders, guys that, um, you know, they belong in the outfield, not necessarily great in the, in the lineup. Some of them can hit a little bit, but um, their production at the plate is going to come from that, that ridiculously strong infield that they have.
0: Yeah. I think the, the worrying right now is they have some pitcher issues already. Uh, Rich Hill is already on the 60 day DL. You know, they're expecting back June or July. Yeah. And then uh, Michael Pineda is still serving a suspension, so he has 39 games. He has to sit out. So two guys you'd expect to be in the top three of their yeah. rotation are, are already ones hurt. But
1: I, I, I like some of the guys in their rotation, though. Jose Barrios is, is nasty. Um, I love that guy's slider, and, and his breaking stuff is really fun to watch um Jake Odorizzi is a solid veteran um that they expect to be at number two Kenta Maeda um he's he's been part of a winning team for a long time out there in uh in LA this is a guy that can pitch you know uh Homer Bailey and Julie Chassin are the guys that they have right now at four and five with all those other guys that are set to come back later on in the season so Um, I would think that if Pineda and and Rich Hill come back, that just gives them more flexibility in that pitching rotation. The
0: good thing for the twins are not a lot of great. There's no, no great team in their division of the year. to really compete with um, as we'll get to next with the Cleveland Indians last year, 93 wins Uh, this year, 85 and a half um, over under. Yeah. So I'm
1: surprised to see that number fall that much i think they can be competitive throughout the course of the season um you know they've got santana at first cesar hernandez playing second um Lindor replacing kipnis essentially um so i mean he's kind of a journeyman i don't know how great he's going to be kind of a utility type guy uh Lindor obviously is great at short uh jose ramirez at third um you know, guys. He uh, hit 314 with 19 homers and 62 RBIs, despite missing a month last season. Um, pretty solid production there. Um, you've got in the outfield, it's a big mess out there. You don't really know who the guys are going to be. Um, you've got Oscar Mercado, Delino De Shields, Mil Reyes, Domingo Santana, Jordan Luplow, and Jake Bowers all competing for those three spots in the outfield. Um, So that's a huge question mark. Luplo is going to be on the roster um, and Tyler Naquin uh, will return from ACL surgery at some point. Uh, He'll be, he'll be part of that group out there. So it's, uh, I I guess now that I'm, I'm kind of going through this stuff again, um, their rotation scares me a little bit. Yeah. The rotation.
0: And I was just, Waiting for you so I can jump in. Yeah, their rotation is what I think is their biggest drawback. Um, so the same MLB.com projections for their lineup is having uh, Shane Bieber, Carlos Carrasco, Aaron Saval, Zach Plesac, and Adam Plutko are there. That's Zach Plesac, That's Dan Plesek's kid, I'll bet. <laughs> uh,
1: so I'll just tell you a quick story here. I was out in uh, Connecticut for work uh, going through a training session. And uh, I was sitting next to this, uh, this dude. He's probably like, he looked like he was like 6'3", 6'4", looked like an athletic kid. And I started talking about the podcast a little bit. He's like, oh, I love podcasts. You know, I'm a big sports fan. Um, so I'm talking to him. His name's Dustin. And uh, he starts telling me that he played baseball at Northeastern. Um, and then he was in the minor leagues. He had just essentially retired from baseball and taken a job with the same company that I'm with. He's working in the sales group. Um, told me that uh, his buddy that was uh, at the top of the rotation with him at Northeastern was Aaron Savali, who's now uh, one of the starting pitchers for the Indians. He said he keeps in close contact with him, Uh, but it was, it was kind of fun listening to him. He was part of the Astros organization and the angels organization. And then he had to have Tommy John surgery. And uh, then he tore his labrum like right after he came back from Tommy John. So he had to call it a career, but um, kind of fun to, to, You know, just in the random musings of life, you run into somebody like that who had just been uh, working through the minor leagues, and his buddies uh, starting in the majors here for the Indians. Yeah,
0: so you know, when you look at it, they got a couple not younger kids getting a chance. Savali being one of them. I mean, he has seven career starts in the major league. They have him penciled in right now as their number three starter. Yeah, that's a lot to ask. Um, He, I mean, not he did well in his seven starts last year, a two point three four ERA. Any bad? yeah um or 10 10 starts and then police act only has 21 games started all last year uh that you're asking a lot for some from some young kids if you're really pushing for that that division title doesn't mean they can't get it done just means you know you definitely have some question marks Carrasco had a bad year last year over five in the ERA I, I'm very much worried about that uh rotation if I'm yeah, uh, and, and with
1: say, the outfield questions now that that eighty five and a half sounds a lot more <laughs> in line with kind of what you'd see. Yeah. Um, almost feels like a team that could fall uh, even further than that. So
0: yeah.
1: um, that's one that I'm going to keep an eye on for maybe playing the under this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we move into the White Sox next. Yeah,
0: the White Sox seventy two wins last year, uh, finished twenty eight and a half games behind, which is a big number. They're actually eighty three and a half for the uh, over under this year with minus 150 to the over.
1: Yeah, and and this is a team that made some splashes in the offseason. Um they've got Yasmani Grandal and James McCann playing at catcher, so you know, their their catcher position is, is great. Jose Abreu is your first baseman. Um let's see. You've got lurie Garcia uh, playing second base. Um it'll eventually belong to uh Nick Madrigal, but they don't know if he's ready to kind of take that over yet. Um, he he's just he's not there yet um tim anderson plays shortstop he's been around for a while uh yuan mancada he the guy is unbelievable he could be uh he, he's kind of in a uh like a breakout type season i think you could see this kid be one of the top players in the league so um you know tim anderson won the batting title in 2019 yeah um it's, it's hard to uh it's hard to believe how good this young group is. They've just rebuilt this team so slowly. Um, in the outfield, you've got Elo Jimenez, who, you know, unfortunately was a former Cub prospect that they traded away for Jose Quintana. Um, and it hurts to see how good he is now. <laughs> um, Nomar Mazzara uh, came over from Texas, it looks like. Um, so, I mean, they've got a pretty good team out there is going to be the DH. You know, he can mash. Yeah, absolutely. And then their starting pitching is, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of like this this group, especially one through three with Giolito, Keuchel, and Gonzalez. I mean, I hate Dallas Keuchel, but uh, he's, uh, you know, a good, solid pitcher, right? I mean, you you got a firsthand look last season.
0: Yeah, you know, he's solid. He, he knows what he's doing. Um, Dylan Cease is somebody that I had to look up. He only has 14 career starts with a 5.79 ERA's career. Um, I mean, You know who those starts were for? Oh, would it be the Chicago Cubs yeah, who, he's, where he's drafted six in the sixth round? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. so, I mean, you, you never know with, with young pitchers. They could come up and be solid and eat innings and keep you in games, or they can just, you know, leave you hanging.
1: This is a team I'd watch near the trade deadline to see if they want to add another arm um if they're in the hunt i yeah. think they're, they're they're a group that has a ton of young talent this is a team that's going to be a pain in the ass for a lot of people for the next three four years anyway so
0: right now if you had to pick one to finish um to challenge minnesota chicago or cleveland i think the talent on chicago far outweighs the talent on cleveland see i think cleveland's lineup is better i think their lineup is better but i think the white Sox pitching is a little more reliable I don't know, man. I mean, Grandal's a, a great ca-
1: hitting catcher. Jose Abreu you can mash. Sure. You've got uh, Tim Anderson, who won the batting title last year, and Juan Makata, who had a 5.7 F war last year. Uh, he's, he's a switch hitting power hitter that can do everything, you know, uh, playing third base now. So, I. I like the the I. Elo Jimenez is solid. Mazzaro. was great in in Texas. You know, not a huge power guy, but does enough. I, I like their lineup better. And uh, I, all all together, if I could have a wager, White Sox against Indians for for season win total, I yeah. would be all over the White Sox. I'd probably lay like four games too.
0: And they have them right now at basically you know, Indians are 85 and a half white Sox are 83 and a half. So they would see it too. Um, yeah. I mean, a lot of home runs are going to be hit and, and, uh, the white for the white Sox this year, for sure. Yeah. Um, so I just, I just don't trust that line or the pitching staff Yeah. or no, the pitching staff is a little better. Gio Gonzalez is a known commodity. He's not great, but he's never going to oppose you. Keuchel, same kind of deal. Um, it's really, what can they get from the kids? And, um, giolito can he continue to grow because he's still young last season was solid i mean what i have three something year a right? some three low three yeah. twos three threes so i just i don't know i think i like the indians better they have a lot of a lot of base path movement
1: you want to do a little season long bat? yeah i think we can do that we're gonna be here in october and uh i'll take <laughs> i'll I'll take the white Sox straight up against the the indians for uh season win total okay all right hold on i gotta get this yeah. i gotta
0: record this year
1: Yeah, so um, I'm on the White Sox to win more games than the Indians.
0: All right. Yeah.
1: So – let's move on to the, the bottom cellar peers. dwellers <laughs> yeah. and they are some cellar dwellers in this division. They're projected to be anyways, you know, sometimes no, these they teams were surprise. last year as well. Yeah, <laughs> right. But sometimes they,
0: these teams sure. surprise, you know, we'll see if there's anything on the come up here. So um, Kansas city, 59 wins last year. Um, they over under is actually 65 and a half. So it's,
1: Hey, they're expecting improvement, expecting nice. growth. Um, interesting. <laughs> There are names on here that I really have no idea about, really. To be honest with you, um, Salvador Perez has been around. You know, he's, Jorge
0: Soler, yeah. Alex Gordon. They they definitely have some people who've been around. Who the hell's the first
1: baseman? Ryan O'Hearn or Ryan McBroom? They got some good Irish boy playing first base. We just don't know which one yet. <laughs> <laughs> so you know they've got uh, Hunter Dozier available to play first, along with Salvador Perez and Whit Merrifield. But the, I mean that first base is a disaster um, Nikki Lopez at second with Whit Merrifield potentially playing there some at <laughs> Alberto Mondesi um, Mondesi's left shoulder surgery after 2019 puts his readiness by opening day somewhat in doubt per MLB.com
0: perfect <laughs>
1: so <laughs> then uh, that leaves uh, Nicky Lopez
0: probably filling in there so Ryan O'Hearn for those listening at home batted 195 last year oh good what about Ryan McBroom I don't even see him on here yeah (laughs) (laughs) he's not even listed for me
1: yeah Uh, Mike Alfranco playing uh, third base uh, with Hunter Dozier Um, utility players they've got Humberto Artiga Matt Reynolds and Calvin Gutierrez Uh, just you know shout out to any of you who are familiar with these guys yes Um, outfield Alex Gordon is the one name, Whit Merrifield. You're going to know those names, Jorge Soler. Yeah. So those are the three that you would you would most recognize. It um, doesn't get much better with the pitching stuff. No. no. Uh, Brad Keller, Danny Duffy, Jacob Junis, and Mike Montgomery. I mean, I know a lot about Mike Montgomery since he was the pitcher that threw the final pitch of the 2016 World Series that was a little dribbler to third base, and Chris Bryant threw out uh, their base runner, to Anthony Rizzo. Yeah. Um, but Mike Montgomery has been a nice, solid, like, mid-reliever, long-reliever, spot-starter, but as a regular guy in the rotation who's number four in their rotation. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about you- that. Glenn Sparkman, Jesse Hahn, Eric Scogland, Forrest Griffin. Those are the guys competing. Forrest, Forrest Griffin. Griffin. Oh, Foster Griffin. Sorry. I saw I saw <laughs> F. Griffin and immediately went to
0: Forrest. That's that's <laughs> called polling at Tom Abbey. Yeah. Um the 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 career ERA for the top three starters on this team, Keller, three point six eight. Duffy, three point nine eight. And Junis, four point six nine.
1: Jeez, that team is
0: brutal. Yeah. Not a lot to get too excited about in Kansas City, but you got a Super Bowl ring. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. So let's move on to the Detroit Tigers. The Detroit Tigers, who won 47 whole games last year and are projected to improve to 56 and a half wins this year. So moving on up. Woo. And that wow. catcher, Austin Romine. Like the lettuce without the A yeah
1: first base you've got cj crone and miguel cabrera um both of those guys will play there cabrera will play uh dh a lot um jonathan scope at second base nice player yep. nico goodrum um i'll just read you the report the time has come for goodrum to get a chance to concentrate on one position he was an early arrival at spring training this year to work with hitting coach joe Vavra and infield coach ramon santiago a strong spring training from castro could alter the plan but for now the job is goodrum's to win so that's their shortstop situation with willie castro and nico goodrum not exactly ideal nico Um,
0: is batting leadoff for them right now yeah so
1: um third base uh dewell lugo and jamer candelario candelario you know he knocked the ball around a little bit this year uh this past year um both players are out of minor league options so you know both could make the roster um candelario is a switch hitter um he may be the one that gets the start there um outfield cameron maven uh jacoby jones uh victor reyes those guys are all going to be part of the the outfield there Jorge Bonifacio is another guy that'll that'll be part of the mix. Just nothing to get you excited,
0: and uh, again, nothing more exciting in the uh, in the starting rotation. You have Matthew two names that won. I
1: know: Jordan Zimmerman and Ivan Nova.
0: Yes, and Kevin. Pop quiz: What was Jordan Zimmerman's record last year? Win loss total.
1: It was very bad, right? Yes. He, he 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 like won. Maybe two, three games, something yeah, like yeah.
0: that. One in 13 with a 6.91 ERA last And This is a
1: guy that was like a top-tier Ooh. free agent a few years back. Yeah, uh, Coming out of okay. Washington, he was like they were going to get
0: big money for him. This is this is the guy that you
1: want, you know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Matthew Boyd, their, their number one penciled-in starter, had a 4.56 ERA last year, and oof.
1: Remind me to bet the over in some early season Tigers games, will you? <laughs> yeah. Mark that down somewhere. <laughs> Write that down.
0: Uh, Nova, 4.72, fairly respectable. <laughs> Been around the block. Been around you know, the block. He, he's, he's seen a few things. He
1: can he can pitch his way to a 4.5 ERA and be the ace on that staff this year. Yeah,
0: it is. That is rough. So,
1: I mean, that's our wrap on that division right now. We do need to make our projections on it, Tom. Let's talk about the division odds to see to win the division this year.
0: Yeah, so the Twins are uh, the leader going into this with a minus 175 payout. The Indians at plus 260, the White Sox at plus 350, and then it gets just silly Kansas City at plus 25,000 and Detroit at plus 30,000. So
1: uh, This division uh, kind of belongs in the same category as the Yankees division where they they're a huge favorite in it. They're just not priced as one yet. These other teams aren't nearly as good as that Minnesota team is. Uh, the safe play is to, you know, put a, a, a hearty wager on Minnesota here yeah. uh, to win that division. I think that they will. I think even if they run into injury trouble, they'll have enough on that roster to win yeah. the division still.
0: Yeah, I mean, when you're looking at it, you would expect them to be 10-game favorites over Cleveland and Chicago. They're they're next closest. I mean, they have it as seven games, but I, I would say probably closer to 10. Um they're they're gonna mash the ball <laughs> Yes. Yeah, so Minnesota again.
1: A, it's a great team there. Um, and I think that this is one of my more confident selections of the year to so you're, especially you're, at what is it minus 175 is that yeah. what you
0: said? your prediction would also be minnesota it's going to be minnesota and, yeah. and
1: and i will uh put a, a pretty good wager on minnesota yeah. to win the division this year
0: i think if you had to pick an underdog um you know the white Sox with the return of plus 350 is a little more appealing than the, the indians at plus 260 yeah so i mean if you're going to take the long shot take the bigger of the two long yeah. shots absolutely if they're both close but not a lot of not a lot of good options in this division. That, that's a
1: team that has a, a much more uh, volatile outcome possible right. with that Chicago team if they make an addition at the trade deadline and add another arm. If and some of those, those arms young overperform, ki- right, right? Those right. arms overperform. The young kids go go crazy. You know, Moncada continues to develop. Anderson has another a repeat of what he did last year. That's a team that could potentially challenge for the division, or they could be. 79 and, and 83 you know that that's yeah. the kind of that that's kind of what you're looking at with that group i think so um we're going to come back and talk about the, the NL, nl central uh, but right now we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with you shortly we are back and it's time for some nl central conversation here tom i'm going to let you kick it off give us the uh, let's let's do this in reverse this time. What are the odds to win the division?
0: So the Cardinals are plus 180 to win the division, the Brewers plus 220, the Cubs plus 225, the Reds plus 325, and the Pirates plus 4,500. All right. So who do you want to start with? Well, I think we'll just go the same way we've been doing. We'll go with the uh, team that finished top last year, the St. Louis Cardinals. All right. So 91 wins last year, 87 and a half, uh, over under this season. Yeah. So
1: this Cardinals group, they, uh, it's, it's not a roster that's had a ton of turnover. Um, and this is a team that always seems to be competitive, no matter what changes they make. Um, they're just a, they're just a good organization and they do a good job of reloading as much as I hate to say that as a diehard Cubs fan. Um, they start, Yachty Molina will be the catcher, of course. Um, They've got Matt Wieters to spell him periodically, so nice little backup that you've got there on that team. Um, Paul Goldschmidt playing first base. Guy's a stud. He's been around for a number of years now, and um, he is uh, obviously – they have a a young rookie, this uh, Rangel Ravello, um, that may get some time, but Goldschmidt's going to obviously hold that down. Um, Colton Wong still at second base, Paul DeYoung at shortstop, uh, Matt Carpenter is obviously the third baseman there, but you know he comes off a terrible season where he averaged two twenty six, um, so we'll see if he has a bounce back. Uh, their outfield is uh, Dexter Fowler, Harrison Bader, and then a bunch of guys that you probably don't know: Lane Thomas, Dan, D- Dylan Carlson, Tyler O'Neill, Justin Williams, Austin Dean. Um, so they have a – by giving away uh, – by not re-signing Marcelo Azuna, yeah. Uh, that outfield gets a little dicey. I think that's probably the weak point in their team. Um, and they've got a rotation featuring Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, Adam Wainwright, and then a whole bunch of guys that are fighting for the fourth and fifth spots.
0: Yeah, and I, I, think, um, I think their win total is actually really – reasonable for where you kind of expect that lineup to be uh, The lineup solid. It's not great. There's not a huge run on people that you're afraid of there. Um, but they're also um, solid major league baseball players who are going to show up every day, put in good efforts, not get really worried about too much of it. And then the pitchers, Flaherty has been really good. Hudson, he's fine. Wainwright has been around for forever. Um, you know, nothing special from him last year, but he's still going to keep you in games. And the 4th and 5th seems to be where it's going to be uh, interesting who comes in and, again, how well do they perform.
1: Yeah, I'm not overly impressed with this group, um, and I certainly wouldn't bet them as the favorite to win that division.
0: Uh, no. And in this division, as we get through some of these win totals and the, uh, the division um, rankings, you'll see that it's a lot more wide open than, say, the AL Central we just went over you know based on this on this they have four teams who are plus 325 or better to win this division wow yeah so i mean it, it's that's really they see the vegas sees it as anyone's ball game um, the rankings go for those four teams you go from 83 and a half games to 87 and a half games separating those four teams so four games over under split between these the top four uh, really wide open you know maybe a team gets hot maybe a team gets a, a a starter who they have as the fourth or fifth that catches fire yeah that really could be the difference uh, maybe even you know a trade deadline move who's next in the uh hmm. the milwaukee brewers finished with 89 wins last year um over under 83 and a half right now you have lorenzo kane Kristen yelich uh keston hiura Justin Smoke and Ryan Braun kind of splitting time at first base, it seems. Yeah, here is
1: their uh, their young prospect that um, he's not much of a defensive player, but he can hammer the ball. So um, they think that he could be an exciting addition for them. Um, Orlando Garcia is going to play short. Um, Eric Sogard and Jed Jerko are going to split duties at third. Uh, this is not really – their outfield is the best part of this group.
0: Yeah. Uh, they're very top heavy, I feel, in their lineup. Yeah. I, you know, it's one of those lineups. If you can hold your breath through one inning, you're probably going to get through another without much, much worry. And, uh, and more nice. Look at
1: this rotation, Tom. Tell me who scares you in that rotation.
0: Yeah, I mean, Brandon Woodruff, Adrian Hauser, Eric Lauer, Brett Anderson, and Josh Lindblom. Uh, yeah. Josh Hader scares me. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're closers. It scares me. But other than that, I mean, no. Nobody here that you don't feel good about every every night. That yeah, that you I should mean, be all
1: right. Yeah, I don't see how this team is.
0: Uh, what are they projected at for wins? For wins, their win total is only eighty three and a half. They have the lowest of the, full, the these four yeah. contenders in here. But yeah. last year they they did eighty nine. They you know yeah. outperformed what they had here. And they look like a team
1: that might come down a little bit here. So um, next on the docket.
0: Next on the docket. Some other team from Chicago. Oh, yes. The
1: Chicago Cubs. Managed by David Ross. Grandpa Rossi took over there. Uh, Obviously, I'm excited about this group. Um, We've got the same, pretty much the, the same core is still in place here. And the team underperformed last year, and there's been a lot of conversation this spring about the players feeling like they weren't pushed hard enough. Last year, things may have gotten a little too laissez-faire by Joe Madden, where it was just, you know, show up when you want to kind of thing. Uh, the guy, Javi Baez went as far as saying he felt like he was sleepwalking through the first few innings of each game. Um, so let's go through their lineup a little bit here. Wilson Contreras is their stud catcher. Um, he's an animal. I love the guy. He's, he's uh, really fun to watch. He can hit. He throws guys out like crazy. Yeah. Um, Anthony Rizzo is as good as they get at first base defensively and offensively. Um, second base is the question mark on this group. They have a group of uh, five guys that they could potentially take that position. David Bodie, Daniel Descalso, Robel Garcia, Ian Happ, and Nico Herner. Um, so, you know, they have a lot of options to, to determine what they want to do. Herner is the prospect of the group. Uh, David Bodie has shown, some potential to be a good hitter at the, at the next level. Um, Descalso is your journeyman. Uh, Ian Happ is a switch-hitting you know, power guy. Uh, Robel Garcia is a whiff machine that strikes out a lot, but he has a ton of power. Um, so that position is the, is the questionable one. Uh, shortstop, uh, Javi Baez, who I absolutely love. Chris Bryant is still around, despite all the trade rumors in the offseason. Um, the outfield is Jason Hayward, who is solid in the outfield. Um, his hitting is not what you really want anymore. I, I wish they would have been able to bring back Nick Castellanos for his bat. Um, but they weren't able to re-sign him. Um, so you've got Hayward and Kyle Schwarber in the outfield and then Albert Almora, Ian Happ and Steven Souza are fighting for that third outfield position. All three guys are serviceable in some way or another. Um, but nothing that really gets you excited. The rotation, um, this is an area that's a little questionable. I think Tyler Chatwood is going to get that fifth spot in the rotation. They say it's questionable, but I think he is going to get it. U um, Darvish is the one right now. Um, Kyle Hendricks is still, you know, he's, he's so much fun for me to watch. He's, he's a obviously less gifted version of Greg Maddox. He's just a precision pitcher. Um, that has that great little backup fastball, and uh, I really like his soft-tossing style. Um, Darvish had a great second half last year. Uh, John Lester had a a rough season, one of his worst in his career. Is he falling off now? Um, He feels like he's made some adjustments to uh, improve this year. Jose Quintana is just steady. Um, In the bullpen, Craig Kimbrell is going to be back to close games, hopefully. Um, Brandon Morrow has been dealing with continuous injuries. He's not really showing as uh, he's a non-roster invitee, but he's a guy that could absolutely be a, a late-inning guy later in the season. Um, they did add Jeremy Jeffress in the offseason. They've got Dylan Maples, um, Rowan Wick, Kyle Ryan, Adbert Alzale. So lots of options in the bullpen. Um, but overall, I'm, you know I'm optimistic that this team will improve over their performance last year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I've seen some things about what the Cubs needed to make as far as moves, and I'm under the belief that maybe they've already made it. Maybe the, the manager will bring some new things to light. I mean, that, that lineup, the middle of that lineup especially, is really good. Um, I think one of the things you wonder is just at the top of the lineup, what you are what are you going to do? Um,
1: reports are that Chris Bryan is going to be the leadoff hitter for the Cubs this
0: year. Really?
1: Yeah, they're talking Chris Bryan at one. Um, you know, and then and then you move around, you make adjustments around that. But yeah. um, that would be pretty exciting if he has a great on base percentage and has a good hitter behind him. Um, sure, like moving Anthony Rizzo to two, um, which is another discussion that they've had because they're they're thinking that Javi Baez or Wilson Contreras at three and four um, to really make that top end, uh, get as many at bats as possible, and um, you know less. RBI opportunity for Chris Bryant, no doubt, but nobody was getting on base in front of him anyway. Right. So their theory is that, you know, you put him up at the top of the, at the top of the order with great protection behind him. And, uh, he becomes, uh, he resolves that issue at the top of the order.
0: Yeah. So it should be interesting. Um, you know, you're, you're a big Cubs fan as an outsider looking in. I think this team's solid. I think they deserve to be at the top of this list with the division. Um, as we went through the the Cardinals team and the uh, Brewers already, um, you know, there's definitely guys in this lineup that you don't want to face in big situations. Rizzo, Bryant, Schwarber, um, and then you have guys who are just consistent like Baez and Contreras, who are going to be there making you know getting hits. Um, so then it becomes the other guys. How how can they step up, Hayward? Um, whoever they get to play center field and second base, you know, yeah. uh, how do they kind of perform and fill in the spots in the in the lineup? And um, the pitchers, I think, are still solid. You know, Lester and Darvish are solid. Um, Hendricks is a very good if he's your two or three. Like you're yeah. happy either way. Yeah. And then Quintana's a serviceable fourth starter in the uh, major leagues. And then Chatwood is solid as well. Um, no real weak link. Um, you know, maybe missing like, the top end, this is our guy. Right. Um, but, you know, you have guys on there who are capable of that. Lester's done it before. Darvish has looked that way before. Um, that's why it's it's hard for me. When you look at the rosters
1: that we've talked about so far, three teams into the division, um, I'd take mine over any of those other teams right now. Like, and, and it doesn't feel close to me. Um, but that's obviously coming from a, a fan's perspective, right. the same way you felt about the
0: Braves. So. Right, right. Um, so next we're going to get to the reds of Cincinnati, uh, 75 wins last year. They're actually projected at 84 and a half this year. Um, pretty big jump,
1: a bunch of free agent acquisitions this season. So to win as many games as they did and then add all that they did in the off season, um, you know, Votto had a down season last year. Um, couple of down seasons is, is he done at 36 or does he still have something left in the tank? Um, Mike Moustakis is an addition that they had this yep. year. Um,
0: Castellanos, who we were just talking about.
1: Yeah. Uh, you know, they've got uh, Suarez is a really nice player, um, but he had sh- sh- shoulder surgery in the offseason. Uh, Freddie Galvis um, is a potential upgrade, uh, and uh, he's, he's actually going to hold the job, but it, – it, I don't see anything exciting about him there. Um, it's their outfield that they're excited about Akiyama, Castellanos, Senzel and Winker. Yeah. Um, Castellanos is a is a nice addition and Akiyama's a nice addition. Uh, so they but they had this Aristides Aquino, Aquino last year. This guy murders the baseball, but I don't know if he can play any defense. Um, and he's got some minor league options left, so they might wait until later in the season to bring him up. Um, talk about the rotation a little, Tom.
0: You got Luis Castillo, Sonny Gray, Trevor Bauer, Wade Miley, and Anthony uh, Desclefana- Desclefani. Yeah. Desclefani. Um, so you have some usual suspects there, guys that we're familiar with, Miley, Bauer, and Gray, especially in the middle. Um, they've been around. Uh, they're definitely major league talented pitchers, uh, you know, you, you kind of know what you're going to get out of him. I think Castillo's the wild card. Uh, solid last year. 3.4 ERA. Um, young kid. Is it, he going to progress? Yes. Yeah, that's the big question. Um, 226 strikeouts last year, so in uh, only 190 innings. So that's, that's a really good number. Um, but will he be able to make that next jump from really solid prospect to really good pitcher? Now, can he make that next jump to. Uh, you know top of rotation starter and, and that'll yeah. be the interesting thing for me from from this group of pitchers again solid group a lot of veteran presence that you know you're not really concerned are they going to just really bomb all season long and not get it done um but but again do they have those top end starts in them will, will be the big thing right so
1: now let's move on to the one team that's not expected to compete for the division and that's the pirates
0: Yes, the Pittsburgh Pirates won 69 games last year, and their 69.5 is the over-under. So, and not a lot of movement expected here. Pardon me while I celebrate a huge
1: Boston Bruins victory over the Tampa Bay Lightning here in the background. Um, two teams competing for the top of the East in the NHL right now.
0: Yeah, I got nothing there.
1: Yeah. My yeah. hockey team sucks. <laughs> so here's one thing that the pirates, uh, have Ben Sherrington running the show now as their GM. Um, he's a guy that comes from the Red Sox organization. Um, could be a, a nice change, but I think it might take time
0: for him to rebuild what they've got going on there. Um, tell me a little about their lineup that you see. So Kevin Newman at short, um, Adam Frazier, second base, they got Brian Reynolds, Josh bell, who, uh, As a Braves fan, I saw him hit a million home runs, it felt like, last year. Every time we were playing him, he was mashing something into the outfield. 37 homers total last year, 116 RBIs, and I swear 20 of the 37 happened against Atlanta. Gregory Polanco, Colin Moran, and Jacob Stallings. They have someone penciled in right now at center field named Jared Dyson, who is so good and so awesome, he doesn't even have his own page yet. Good. Uh, so not much there for, for information, but they do have some young kids. Again, Josh Bell is just, he's crushing it. 27 years old, uh, realistically on a better team, he would be somebody they'd be talking about as a possible MVP candidate coming into the year. But you
1: know, your team usually has to be all right. And then the rotation, um, Joe Musgrove, Chris Archer, Trevor Williams, Mitch Keller, Derek Holland, um, Chad Kuhl on the outside looking in right now. Um, Jamison Tyone is uh, injured right now. Um, he's out for the season, it looks like. So yeah. they're, they're not going to have him at all. Um, and Stephen Brault, Um he has a shoulder strain. Who knows if he's going to make the opening day roster? But their their pitching staff is concerning. Chris Archer has had some good years, but um, he doesn't seem to he doesn't strike fear in anyone anymore. Yeah, I mean,
0: I feel like he's he's fairly inconsistent. You'll you'll see him look great one game and then just not have it the next, the last couple of seasons. So um, Joe Musgrove, uh, you know, a career 4.37 ERA guy. You know, he's, he's been around for a couple of seasons. That's it. Um, You know, nobody again, that's really, you're looking up, there going, oh man, we're up against it tonight. You know, there, yeah, there's definitely balls to be hit and runs to be scored against this, this lineup as well.
1: Right. So. Tom give me your feeling about this division.
0: So again, the fun with this division is it is wide open. Um, you know the, the the Brewers I think are going to take a step back from last year. I think when you're you're looking at the Vegas thinking six games back, uh, you know I think it might even be more than that. The Reds, eh, that lineup does not excite me at all. So to me it comes down to the Cardinals and your Cubs. Um, and I feel I feel like you have the same thing. if the Cubs can stay, Focused and healthy, I think they're the better of the two teams. Um, I would hope, as a sports fan, that they would take last year's disappointment, funnel that into some improvement. So I would take the Cubs out of the this division. I just like their their lineups deeper, and I think their pitching is more proven.
1: Yeah, and um, I'm gonna back my Cubs as well. Uh, I think that they're they're gonna have a little chip on their shoulder. Everybody thinking that, you know, they didn't make any moves in the off season. Well, you know what, that those guys on the roster hear that stuff. And uh, you know, they're Chris Bryant's still there and I think that they're gonna they're gonna ball out this year. I think that David Ross is the right guy to lead this group. They absolutely loved him as part of the team that won the World Series. Um there's not a huge disconnect between what joe madden was and what david ross was he's picked up a lot of what he's going to do from joe madden but he's going to expect more out of this group he's gonna he's gonna make them work a little harder he's gonna you know make them focus a little more and he's gonna probably hold their feet to the fire a little more than joe madden did so for me it's it's cubs all the way
0: all right, so now we get to move to the big UFC pay-per-view, UFC 248. It's been a few weeks since we really dived into the UFC. Um, you know, they do have some cards sometimes that are, you know, not good for material. Uh, but as we get into this one, there's definitely some fights to dig into. Uh, we'll go over the main card here, starting with a Welter White fight between Alex Oliveira and Max Griffin. Yeah, so... Um... Tell me a little bit
1: about these fighters, Tom. What are we What are we looking at? Alex Alex Oliveira's been around for a long time. He's a veteran. Um, he's definitely had his fair share of fights uh, in the UFC, and then he's come out on top a bunch.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's he's definitely one of these veterans who's been around. You know, one of these guys that makes a career of just grinding, winning fights, having some some big wins, but never really getting uh, to the top. Uh, he's eighteen and eight in his career. Um, Thirty two years old. Uh, Max Griffin is a little bit more of an unknown commodity to me, um, and that will be that's what you look for in some of these other rounds. You have a tested, tried and true commodity in Oliveira, and now you have somebody who we're going to get a feeler for and get to see: is Max Griffin good enough to compete at this level with some of these better fighters? Is he good enough to, you know, even take a step further?
1: yeah so oliveira has lost three straight fights to Gunnar nelson mike perry and nicholas dalby um yeah. you know so he he's on a on a slide right now and his recent wins are over carlo petersol and uh carlos Condit. uh obviously is carlos Condit is the natural born killer right yeah and uh it, before that he lost to yancy medeiros but Prior to that, he had a nice run of uh, beating Ryan LaFlair, Tim Means, no contest against Tim Means, Will Brooks, James Mont- Montazri. So, you know, he's he's fought some really good fighters before. Um, what about his opponent? Has he faced anyone that we know?
0: Yeah, he's fought a lot of the similar guys. Um, you know, he's fought. He beat uh, Mike Perry with a decision. He lost to Thiago Elvis in a decision. Um, he actually fought Kobe Covington. Uh, way back in 2016 and uh, lost to a TKO so I mean he's definitely fought some guys with some cred uh, 12 and seven record um, he's lost three of his last four you know this has definitely seemed like one of those fights that the UFC likes to put on the main card where you have two guys who are hey one of you is saying one of you's got to get out of this division and go somewhere else yeah so um,
1: six straight fights have gone to the have gone the distance for uh, Max Griffin yes Um where Oliveira's wins always seemingly come by way of knockout, but he's, his losses tend to, he's not good at going the distance. So,
0: (laughs) right. Um, what do we got next on the card? The next fight is Neil Magny versus Lee Jingling. Oh yeah. That's, that's a
1: fun fight here. Um, also in the welterweights. Yeah. So you've got Neil Magny who's been around. He, he's a solid fighter, uh, Lee Jingling, um, I'm trying to think of of some of the fights that he's had in the UFC, um, but let's let's take a look at Neil Magny's numbers here recently. Um, he lo- he got knocked out by Santag- Santiago Ponzinibbio um, back in. Tw- he hasn't been in the he hasn't been in the ring since November of 2018. He's Magny? had a long layoff. Um, prior to that, he beat Craig White, and Carlos Condit, lost, uh, got submitted by Rafael Dos Anjos. Um, he beat Johnny Hendricks, um, lost to Lawrence Larkin, beat Hector Lombard, Kelvin Gastelum, Eric Silva, uh, got submitted by Damien It seems like he might have a little problem with guys who can submit him. Um, he got submitted by a couple of the better submission artists in the in the UFC. So, um, you know, he's a guy that's been around. You know that, that that's the thing. He's he's fought a lot of fights. Um, Lee here has. He's what won uh, seven
0: of his last eight. Yeah, he's seventeen and five. He's been on a bit of a tear, um, winning some even some some ones in the UFC. Um, David Zawada, I see on here. Um, you know, Bobby, some some guys maybe not not so well known. It looks like uh, Bobby Nash, Frank Camacho, Zach Otto in a row that had a setback and a decision to Jake Matthews, but then um, Daichi Abe or Abe, David Zawada. Um, so definitely, and I mean, he's winning them all over the place. He's got a TKO, punches, KO um, with a kick to the body, uh, yeah. a couple decisions TKO, punches, KO, punches, KO, punches. Um, so definitely somebody that is going to uh, be the lookout here. 17 and 5, winning a ton of fights in a row right now.
1: Because he doesn't seem to have finishes via submission. I'm gonna to lean towards Neil Magny in this fight. I don't know what the odds are on it. I haven't, I haven't taken a look, but I, you know, I think I would, uh, I would lean towards a wager on Neil Magny in this fight because of the fact that Magny's Achilles heel really seems to be these guys that can submit him. Um, I'm gonna pull up the odds here really quick and see if I can find them uh, for that fight. It's always a good thing when we can figure out like some good early wagers to put on something like this. And, you know, I'll be having cocktails and making bets all night at Batavia Downs that night. So (laughs) let's take a quick look here for the MMA odds this weekend. And in that fight, we have... Alex Lavera is uh, minus 145 against Max Griffin by the way Max Griffin's plus 115. really yeah um, And that fight is Neil Magny's plus 145 in the fight. so nice. maybe get a little plus odds action on Neil Magny here.
0: yeah it'll definitely be interesting to see I'd love um, I love the welter rates. I think it's a great cl- weight class. obviously a lot of really good fighters in that weight class. So it's tough to really string a bunch of wins together once you get to the top of that weight class. Um,
1: What's the next fight on the card,
0: Tim? Next, we go to lightweight. Uh, Benil Derouche versus Dracar Close. Um, Derouche has been around for forever, seemingly. 17 wins, 4 losses, 1 draw. Uh, most recently, um, he beat Frank Camacho, Drew Dober, Tiago Moses on a 3-fight win streak. Um, before that, he did have some issues where he lost two and had a draw the first, the three previous. So, um, you know, hasn't lost since March of 2018, though. He's been, been putting up some wins. He's fought some good fighters. Edison Barboza, Michael Chiesa, Mike, Michael Johnson, Jim Miller, um, James Vick. Yeah, so, and, and he's taking Andrew Carr Close
1: in this fight, who is a decision machine. <laughs> yeah. Eight, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven eight straight fights have gone to decision um with close um close looks he looks the part of a of a knockout artist but he doesn't seem to have that going for him yeah <laughs> um but in this stretch of fights that he's had thirteen in his last 13 fights it, it, all of them are on here all 13 that are on here 11 one and one for for dracar close right um you know, with his lone loss coming to David Tamer uh, by unanimous decision, uh, Tamer's a, a good, solid fighter. Yep. Um, nothing to be ashamed of there. So um, let me take a look at the odds. And this one, uh, Benil Darius is favored, minus 170. Close is plus 140. So, um, yeah, I kind of like close in this fight, too. Yeah? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think it'll be interesting. You know, I'm a big – I love DraftKings for these MMA fights – and it's, you know, it's a little different than betting because not only do you need to have pick winners, but you also need to pick winners in explosive fashion. So, you know, in that Magni fight, you know, I might lean the other way for DraftKings just because the other guy has a lot of knockouts, a lot of TKO wins, um, you know, definitely able to close the show, and that that's what you're looking for in, in DraftKings. So uh, definitely a different... Uh, Different animal than actual betting the the fights here.
1: Yeah, um, and then we move on to uh, it's Joanna against Wheeling uh, Zhang, right? Yes,
0: Wheeling Zhang versus Joanna for the women's straw white championship.
1: Joanna comes off a decision victory where she was um, pretty dominant against the karate hottie, right?
0: Yes, you know Joanna's very dominant. Period. Uh, you know she's always seems to be uh, faster, more efficient. Uh, she had a rough stretch with Rosa and then Valentina, where she she lost three out of her four. Uh, but besides those, that little blip on her radar, she's been very dominant. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, she lost the two fights to Rose mm-hmm. and then got beat by Valentina Shevchenko, who we just saw have a completely dominant performance.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I don't think you can fault her for those losses. Um, Rose obviously showed that she's you know, much stronger than she was early in her career. Um, so those were... You know, tough losses for her. Um, you know, Zhang, on the other hand, is... Uh, she's won every fight since her early fight in her career, including wins over Tisha Torres, Jessica Aguilar, Jessica Andrade. Um, you know, she's submitting and knocking out two out of her last three. Um, she she seems to be a, a really talented fighter that's going to be tough to deal with. So
0: Yeah. 18-fight um, win streak she's on right now.
1: Yeah. So... <laughs> I think that Joanna's um, going to need to keep the distance and outstrike her and probably outpoint her if she wants to win the fight.
0: Yeah, I mean, Zane's had some, some great fights. Uh, submission wins, TKO. It doesn't really seem to bother her how she wins. She's just she's definitely a finisher, um, and this weight division is, is not normal. Out of her 18 wins, 11 by uh, KO, TKO, 4 by submission, only 3 decision victories. That is pretty dominant for this uh, weight yeah. class. So, you know, you see a lot, like, even if you go to Joanna, who's considered one of the best at this weight class, you know, you see a a much broader, uh, you know, three KOs, two subs, 12 decision wins. yeah Um, So it's a lot different of an animal that you're getting in there with somebody who's really pushing uh, for those wins. And then someone who's really just trying to win the fight. And, you know, Joanna, she peppers the people, but sometimes she has hard time, you know, affecting damage. Um so it'll be interesting to see those two styles match up. Both are very good. It should be a fun fight.
1: Yeah, no question. And um and
0: the main event is, it,
1: it's Joanna is an underdog there at plus 140 by the way. I like uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. So, uh the main event of the evening is the Son of God, Yoel Romero taking on Israel Adesanya. Um is perfect in his career. Um yeah, not so bad. And they say that no one really wants to fight Yoel Romero because he's a dangerous dude. Um, he's 42 years old. He's terrifying. He's lost two consecutive fights, three of his last four. Um, two of those losses were to Robert Whitaker, um, both by decision. And then he lost a unanimous decision to Paulo Costa, uh, who looks like an up-and-coming superstar. Yeah. Uh, other than that, he knocked out luke rockhold knocked out chris weidman he beat ronaldo souza via decision he knocked out leoto machida he knocked out tim kennedy he won a decision against Tavares. he knocked out Derek brunson he knocked out ronnie marks he he knocked out clifford starks he, he he just knocks dudes out yeah um he's a scary scary man and I feel like in this fight against Adesanya, who is, has who is taken on everyone, Adesanya better be very careful about getting in, in range of yeah. Romero. And the thing is, Romero is skilled in so many
0: ways. So I think, though, this, this fight actually for Adesanya is kind of perfect. The recipe for beating Romero is out there. Keep your distance. Pepper him with shots. Control the rounds. Push the pace. He's not going to last. Um, he, he's not going to last five rounds at five minutes. It's just he hasn't been able to do it yet. He gasses. He is a big guy with a lot of muscle. And, uh, you know, so definitely the recipes out there. And when you look at Israel, the way he fights, he's a long, long fighter for this weight class. He's able to strike from a bunch of different ways. He's quick. You know, he should. He has the tools and uh, the style that he should match up well against them, be able to, to punch, kick. Stay away and not ever get into the danger zone, of which is the problem. If you get in that danger zone, uh, it's, it's chancy to get out of there.
1: So my thoughts about Arasanya here when I look at his record, um, his competition didn't really step up until he fought Gastelum two fights ago. He fought Anderson Silva, who was probably at the very tail end of his career early last year. Um, he fought Derek Brunson, knocked him out. Um, but he did, then he
0: did knock out Melvin Gilliard back in the day too. Yeah. Was, he's, he's a vet.
1: Yeah. He's a vet. Yeah. But I mean, there are a lot of names you're not really blown away by there on that list. Um, but the wins over the wins over Gasloom and Whitaker, you can't really take those away from him. No. Um, I think that Romero is dangerous as hell in this fight. Yeah. But I, I feel like Adesanya is going to keep his distance, keep him off him, try to wait it out until the fourth round. I, I, think if, if you're looking for a money play in this fight, look for a late round knockout by Adesanya. Yeah. Look for a late round finish by Adesanya, getting, getting a tired Yoel Romero. An where accumulation Adesanya, of, yeah. of
0: just, I mean, you're you're probably looking at a high output for him in most of this fight, you know, 30, 40 strikes around, yeah. a, a and then that'll that'll. You know, he eats away at you, and that, that's definitely the game plan. Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see if Romero tries to take him down. I would. I Absolutely. I'm looking for those scrawny legs and getting my big arms around him and yeah. saying, okay, can you get up? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't feel like if he stays on the feet the whole time, unless he can close the distance, I don't think he has a chance. So he's, he, had,
1: he's had some explosive knockouts closing sure. the distance from out of nowhere. Um, so it's not that he can't do that. Yeah. It's that is Adesanya so quick yeah. that he's going to be able to defend himself there. So, yeah, um, yeah, it's going to be a fun card. I'm excited. I'll be watching it out for the night, and I, I can't wait to do so. Um, I'll have lots of action on it, including DraftKings and, uh and betting fights individually. So wait it's on Saturday. Fully expect our Twitter account to be buzzing with picks – um draft kings lineups from yeah. tom and i both
0: let's screenshot our favorite DraftKings lineup too yeah let's throw absolutely. that out there so they can play along you
1: know what let's uh let's create a draft kings uh for our listeners ourselves and our listeners um we'll see if we can get enough of you guys to jump on with it we'll promote yeah. it on social media um you know and, and we'll see if we can create our own contest compete against tom and i in a DraftKings this weekend um we don't necessarily have to make it a a cash entry we can you can do those free entry ones on it um or or a very low cash entry one but it'll be it'll be a great time and and we'll try to put something together for this weekend it'll i'm really excited about it so um with that uh tom and i are going to take another quick break um and then we're going to wrap with our xfl picks um, while we talk about it here off off air and uh, see exactly what we like for the XFL this week. So uh, stick with us. We'll be right back. And welcome back. Let's wrap up the show, Tom, with our XFL picks for this week. Let's do a little preview of XFL week
0: five. Yeah, week five. So a halfway point in the season. Yeah, already, believe it or not. Um, so the first game, Saturday, um, 2 p.m. on ABC, we have the Houston Roughnecks hosting the Seattle Dragons. Houston is a 13 and a half point favorite. Over under forty five and a half. Um, my first thought, that's a lot of points. I think Houston. Yeah. I think Houston is a very good team. Although they did not look their best against Dallas last week, they're still four and zero for a reason. And Seattle has been a tough out. Uh, so, could be a big change out of the Seattle group if uh, BJ Daniels
1: gets the go at quarterback over Brandon Silver's. Uh, Jim Zorn is the head coach in Seattle, and he's refusing to tip his hand on uh, on who is going to be the quarterback. Um, but B.J. Daniels came into the game, and he had a, a monster game running the ball. Um, I, I can't see – he ran for 84 yards on seven carries – um, as well as going 5 of 10 for 100 yards, scoring a touchdown. He did throw a pick, um, but I feel like this is this creates a much more explosive Seattle offense that teams haven't seen before. Yeah. Um, I think that they've held it close to the vest in their games previously. Their defense seems to be doing a decent job against everyone that they play. Um, but I, I feel like this is an opportunity here if B.J. Daniels gets the go to uh, potentially hang in this game. And, uh, you know, the Roughnecks – they don't shut anyone down with their defense. Um, their offense is just explosive and difficult to deal with. Uh, another uh, big thing is their starting guard, William Campbell, who didn't play against St. Louis, is returning from a knee injury. He was a full participant in practice this yeah. week. Uh, one thing that's kind of underpublicized: Mike Riley left the team as the offensive coordinator for personal reasons before the season started. So Jim Zorn had to take over the duties as the offensive coordinator. And I think it's taken him a little time to get some flow going. That offense looked rough early on. Um, but maybe with B.J. Daniels giving them a, a multi-dimensional quarterback, uh, I feel like this could be an opportunity for them to uh, to cover that spread at least and, and maybe maybe really battle Houston in this game.
0: Yeah, I think when I'm looking at it, the top two teams are still Houston, St. Louis, right? Um, I think you would put St. Louis up over Dallas. Um and I think when you see that they were on the road at St. Louis, which is a the hardest place to play right now, yeah, they were they only lost by seven and they had all this quarterback nonsense going on. So if you can get them with the better quarterback in for the whole game, you gotta think they're able to pull within 13 and a half.
1: Yeah, uh, even with some maybe late game scores or something like that. Yeah, to, if it does get out of control, right. Uh, next game on the docket. So uh, my yeah. pick Seattle, your pick Seattle? Yeah, same side. All right, same same side. Yep. Uh, new York Guardians at the Dallas Renegades.
0: Renegades are currently minus eight. So we actually were just looking this up, and they are saying Landry Jones is out for two weeks. Um, so you will see a new quarterback in for Dallas. Um, Philip Nelson. The Guardians have a quarterback coming off his first start who looked a lot more consistent, something that maybe they can build around instead of some of the just atrocious play from mcgloin and uh you know it, it it definitely might be two teams on opposite ends here as bad as the guardians looked two weeks ago this week they looked like a competent football team they ran the ball well their running backs are very fun to watch they run with violence <laughs> um, yeah very very much so um so i think again i, I think you give me the points uh the Guardians have bit me in the past, taking them with a big point spread. But I think with Dallas... You know, I
1: tried to talk you into that last week. I said, don't be scared. Yeah. Because you're, you're going to, you know, lay the points with L.A. And uh, the situation uh, said something different. And now you're going to go back to them. And I'm a little concerned. I'm, <laughs> I'm a little worried now that you're jumping back on these points.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like... They're a week ahead of where Dallas is going to be now. Their quarterback already got his first start out of the way. He looked company, looked fine. Now he's getting his second start. Dallas, this guy's going to come in with his first start. I mean, And they're only practicing three times a week. So that's not a lot of reps to get ready. The one edge,
1: though, is Nelson did start week one right against St. Louis and, and played them tough.
0: Played them tough. They lost,
1: but, they lost. you know. <laughs> Um The big thing for me here in this spot is New York's coming off a great situational spot. I'm going to wait to wager on this game because I think that the injury news leaking out slowly the way it does in the XFL is going to bring this line down some. I think that you might be able to steal a wager on Dallas later on in the week at like minus six, six and a half. That's what I'm going to look to do. Um, If I can't get that, I'm going to play the under in the game because i hate both offenses without landry jones here's the thing with 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 that renegades team though they've run the ball really well in general um landry jones is killing their overall production with his turnovers yeah those
0: turnovers are awful
1: that's why i think that the the downgrade may not be much um from landry jones to philip nelson so As I'm talking through it with you right now, I just talked myself into playing the Renegades at the minus eight right now. All right. So we're we're gonna book it at minus eight right now here, and that's what I'm playing. So you know, up to minus eight, go ahead if if you like my side. Um, But I I think that it's gonna go lower as the week goes on. So wait to make your bet.
0: Yeah, Nelson was captain. Checked down in his in his first. uh first game 33 completions for only 218 yards that Uh, that's
1: fine do that against the guardians you probably win the game if you don't turn (laughs) it over
0: four sacks he took four sacks and uh a long of 21 and through the no touchdowns one interception um the team only scored nine points uh so not a lot to hang around on but he does have you know like you said he does have some experience running the team right uh next game what do we got the st louis Battlehawks. Are going to DC to play the Defenders, who are on the ropes right now. Uh, the Defenders are getting three and a half, and it is a thirty-eight point five.
1: This is over tra- under. This just feels like Trap City right now, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, the way the Defenders have looked the last two weeks, the way the Battle Hawks have looked the last two weeks, how's this spread? Only three and a half going to DC. I mean, it, it feels like this is a a, a Battle Hawks team that might be closer to um. 10, 12 points better than D.C. right now, the way that the two teams are playing. Yeah. Um, to have that spread only at 3.5, despite it being in D.C., it looks like D.C. has no quarterback. Their running game is mediocre at best. Yeah. And a battle defense that has been very tough. And
0: um, an offense that's very well-balanced, can run the ball against yeah. you, can make throws.
1: I'm, I'm staggered by this. If this line isn't 6 by Sunday... I'll be shocked.
0: Yeah. I think at three and a half, you have to go St. Louis just because everything. So, D.C., they win their first two games, look good. Now they've played two teams with with better defenses, and they've looked atrocious. So, now they're playing St. Louis, who has one of the better defenses in the league. It's hard for me to imagine them putting up 20 points, you know.
1: And, you know, I'll tell you right now. My wager is being booked now because I am not waiting on this. And <laughs> you're man, also on St. Louis. Yeah, I am on the Battle Hawks minus three and a half. Tom, you can look to confirm that. The, I just yeah. I put. I just placed my wager online. Um, yeah. yeah, Battle Hawks minus three and a half.
0: Absolutely. And then a, a weird start time for the second game on Sunday. It's actually at nine o'clock Eastern um, because we have Tampa Bay making the journey to L.A. Uh, LA is a minus one and a half favorite. Uh, Forty and a half is the over/under. So uh, we'll see uh, how that kind of works out. Uh, again, we've we've been able to get a lot of um, a lot of the home teams have been winning these games pretty consistently here. Again, Tampa Bay has to travel all the way across the country to play LA. Um,
1: Toughest game out of the group for me to make a selection on. I feel like. Um, so you know, what I'm looking at here is I, I I think I really like over 40 and a half in this spot, really. Both offenses it, I mean the the LA team with Josh Johnson looks a lot better offensively than they did early this season. Yes. um so for me, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and, and take a shot that both teams can get their points in this game. Um, So over 40-and-a-half for me in that game.
0: Yeah, so this game's, uh, I think, the toughest one for me to wrap my head around because I thought Tampa Bay has been better than they are this whole time. Um, And then last week they finally looked like a good football team. They win 25-nothing, but it was against D.C. That's just been terrible. And then the Wildcats haven't been doing great, but they actually have a very good game. They move the ball very well. Um, and still come up short against the guardians. So I think that, you know, that it's very tough. I'm going to go with the home team. You know, it's a small, it's a small point to give up one and a half. Um, and I'm going to go with the home team in this one.
1: Yeah. So you're on the wildcats there in that spot. Yeah. I'm going to take the over 40 and a half. Yeah. um, should be a fun weekend of XFL football, though. I, I kind of like these matchups
0: this week. Um,
1: yeah, I think we're just the I, way the home away stuff kind of worked out.
0: Again, we're we're sorting stuff out, you know, you're going to you're going to have some tests in there. You know, you got to think the Dallas Renegades and New York Guardians game, they're both 2 and 2 right now. And uh it's a, it's a big swing game if you can finish the first half 3 and 2 versus 2 and 3. Um Tampa Bay and LA is kind of a game where one team might be on could the be, way. Yeah, it Could be yeah, could be an season, elimination, game, yeah. you know.
1: You might have to run the table to make the playoffs if you're if you're either of those teams after that, so yeah. um, in the East, when you look at the standings there, with with DC taking the two losses, if the Battle Hawks beat DC this week as well and get to four and one, and now then the Guardians lose, yeah, uh, as they're expected to lose this week, yep, you're, you're now looking at a two game lead with wins over both of those teams for the Battle Hawks, and yeah, they could be really in the catbird seat. Yeah, as far I'd, as that season goes yeah, in the and East.
0: You, you have uh you have some separation already. I mean, the Houston Roughnecks already have a two game lead in their division in the West. But the race for the second position, uh, the second playoff team there, the Renegades two and two, the Wildcats and Seattle both sitting there at one and three, just one game back, Dallas on the ropes, having to replace a quarterback. Uh that that is getting very interesting. The LA's favorite at home for this week. Seattle's big time dogs. So against houston so you definitely have a shot where you know seattle can pull up is that all of a sudden you know you're back in the division race if not you know it might be that
1: boy and remember two weeks ago we talked about odds to win the championship and st louis was like plus 900 what a nice piece that would be to have in your pocket right now (laughs) as good as they're sitting in that east should they win this week against the defenders I mean, you're going to host a playoff. They're going to host a playoff game, and then more than likely have to play in Houston for the championship game against Houston, (laughs) right? Against Houston, which is a team that they lost to in a close game before. So yes, um, you know, it feels like those are the two best teams in the league right now.
0: Yeah, um, you know, a lot can happen over the next six weeks as we have that, but it definitely feels like they're sorting out. The top half is sorted out, and we have two teams pulling away. And then that middle pack is pretty much everyone else right now. No one's really out of it yet, but that could really change over the next two weeks if some of these, if the one and three teams can't get to a couple wins, uh, they may find themselves on the outside looking in for the last two or three se- weeks of the season.
1: Absolutely, and that is a wrap. Yeah, on Hammer Sports Podcast episode eleven. Um, proud of the work that we're doing here. Um, I'm excited. Uh, with some of the listener base, we've had some great feedback from some people here. We would appreciate some more of that feedback. And particularly, follow our social media accounts, guys. I mean, we're, the, we've done a nice job in that transition from the Hammered Sports Facebook page to the Hammered Sports Podcast Facebook yeah. page. I see a lot of people jumping over there already. If you can continue to do that, we're going to send out some reminders about that this week, uh, trying to get people to transition over to the new page. Um, Following us on Twitter, um, Instagram, uh, we finally picked up our first follower last night. (laughs) Um, You know, we haven't, we just haven't pushed that stuff yet. Um, So that's hammered sports podcast on Instagram at hammered underscore sports on Twitter at tabby 11 on Twitter at K grade junior 99 on Twitter. Um, You know, we're everywhere, but mostly I'm, I'm telling you, Twitter is such a great medium for sports and gambling and picks and commentary and polls. yeah, Um, We're going to be active as hell on Twitter this weekend, I can tell you that.
0: Yeah, a lot of the big games, I mean, we're all over. So when you see a a weekend where you have a lot of XFL games, a big UFC card, you bet that Kevin and I are going to be out there talking, trying to get people to talk with us and share what other people observe, other people's thoughts. I mean, it's definitely things we like to share. And, you
1: know, Sunday night I gave out a winner on Twitter. Um, so winner on Twitter, had, say
0: that five times fast. Yeah, I know,
1: right? Um, and that was the Lakers at the Pelicans, and they were yeah. getting one and a half point. Yeah, I think I think yeah. they were plus one and a half. They ended up winning the game by like eight or nine. Um, but yeah, we've been we've been giving out some nice little winners there. Um, that's two in a row that I've I've dropped Nuggets either just before or mid game, and and uh, those are nice winners that uh, people could be taking advantage of if you're following us there, and yeah, um. We, we've had a, just a, a, a brief delay on the website because I've written an article that I'm trying to get um, really well refined here that I want you guys to enjoy. Um, Tom's putting something together for probably the next couple of weeks that he'll be releasing on the on the web page. So um, that'll be hammeredsportspod.com. And uh, that should be up by midweek this week sometime. So, um, by the time you guys listen, you should be able to jump right to the web page.
0: Yeah, a lot of stuff on the show next week. We had our uh, wrap up the uh, previews of the divisions with the AL and NL West previews. We're going to talk XFL week five, week six, uh, kind of review some of the UFC big, big happenings. We're going to talk NFL free agency. Um, we, you know, we're, we're just a, a week away. Uh, when, we, when we talk next week, it'll just be a week away. And then the PGA Players Championship preview. Um, We've got the Arnold Palmer Invitational this weekend. Right? Arnold Palmer is this week, yes. Yeah, that's always a fun one. Um, I will be posting my uh, DraftKings lineup for the PGA uh, on Twitter. So if you are interested, I will be posting that. Either it'll be usually Wednesday morning. I try to get that together, so uh, you'll see that.
1: Yeah, I mean we we certainly love golf here. We just haven't got, had a chance to really to really talk a lot about it because there's so much else going on right now. Um, you know, there are uh, – I'm just going to give a, a quick couple of picks here for you. If you want to get action and uh, take a shot this weekend in the Arnold Palmer Invitational, uh, you can get Brooks Kepka at plus 2,600 right now to win the tournament. He's been kind of laid off, you know, and, and hasn't been playing a lot, but he's got as much talent as anyone in the game. Um, so Brooks Koepka at plus 2,600 and, um, the, uh, the other play I would make is Justin Rose at plus 3,500. So plus 2,600 Brooks Koepka plus 3,500 Justin Rose this weekend in the Arnold
0: Palmer. Yeah, definitely a fun tournament to watch. Always some good, they always do a really good job of putting some awesome, um, pairings together, some featured groups. Uh, so take it, take a look at that and then, you know, stay on the lookout. I'll be putting a DraftKings lineup out there for everyone to take a look at and see if you can get a better one than me.
1: Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, thanks again for listening. It's been another great week here. Can't wait to get back with you again next week. We appreciate you, and uh, everything everything we're doing here is about uh, building a, a great op- a great listening experience for all of you guys. So um, keep plugging away and get some winners, right, Tom? See you next week, guys. See ya.